This is The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. This is before chapter one. I don't know what the heck this is. It's just a random poem, I guess. Uh, book one. Children born of various dogs never need a shirt or frog. Never want food or fire. Always get their hearts desired. Jingle pockets full of gold. Marry when they're seven years old. Every fairy child must keep two strong ponies and ten sheep. All of houses, each is his own, built or built of brick or granite stone. They live on cherries. They run wild. I'd love to be a fairy child by Robert Graves. The poem is called "I Love to Be a Fairy's Child." Prologue. On a drowsy Sunday afternoon, a man in a long, dark coat hesitated in front of a house on a tree-lined street. He hadn't parked a car, nor had he come by taxi. No neighbor had seen him strolling around the, along the sidewalk. He simply appeared, as if stepping between one shadow and the next. The man walked to the house and lifted his fist to knock. Inside the house, Jude sat on the, the living room rug and ate fish sticks, soggy from the microwave, and dragged through the sludge of ketchup. Her twin sister, Taryn, napped on the couch, curled around a blanket, Thumb and her fruit punch stained mouth on the other end of the sofa. Their older sister, Vivian, I can't pronounce her name. So if you've read this before and you know how to pronounce her name, I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong because I don't know how to read how to pronounce it. Vivian, Vivian or whatever, stared at the television. Her eerie split pupiled gaze fixed on a cartoon mouse as it ran from the cartoon cat. She laughed when it seemed as if the mouse was about to get eaten. Vivi was different from other big sisters. Since seven years old, Jude, Taryn, and Taryn were identical, with the same shaggy brown hair and heart-shaped faces. They were different too. Vivi's eyes were, Vivi's eyes and the lightly furred points of her eyes were. To Jude, not so much. More strange than being in the mirror vision of another person. And if sometimes she noticed the way the neighborhood kids avoided Vivi, or the way their parents talked about her in a low, hurried voices, she didn't think it was it was anything important. Grandmas were always worried, always whispering. Taryn yawned and stretched, pressing her cheek against Vivi's knee. Outside, the sun was shining, scorching the asphalt in the driveways. Lo the lawnmower and his word and the children splashed in the backyard pools. Dad was in the outbuilding where he had to forge. Mom was in the kitchen cooking hamburgers. Everything was boring. Everything was fine. When the knock came, Jude hopped up to answer it. She hoped that maybe one of the the girls from across the street wanting to play video games or inviting her for an after dinner swim. The tall man had stood the tall man stood on their mat, glaring down at her. He wore a brown leather duster despite the heat. His shoes were shod with silver as they and they rang hollowly as he stepped over the threshold. Jude looked up into his shadow face and shivered. Mom she yelled. Mom someone's here Her mother came from the kitchen. Wiping her wet hands onto her jeans, when she saw the man, she went pale. Go to your room, she told Jude in a scary voice. Now. 
Whose child is that? The man asked, pointing at her. His voice was oddly accented. Yours? His? No one's. Mom didn't even look at in June's direction. She's no one's child. That wasn't right. June and Taryn looked at just looked just like their dad. Everyone said so. She took a few steps towards the stairs, but didn't want to be alone in her room. Vivi, Jude thought. Vivi will know who the tall man is. Vivi will know what to do. But Jude couldn't seem to make herself move any further. I've seen many impossible things, the man said. I have seen the acorn before the oak. I have seen the spark in before the flame. But I've never seen such as this, a dead woman living, a child born from nothing. Mom seemed at a loss for words. Her body was vibrating with tension. Jude wanted to take her hand and squeeze it, but she didn't dare. I doubted fucking blackened when he told me I'd find you here, said the man, his voice softening. The bones of an earthly woman and her unborn child in the burned remains of my estate were conceiving. Do you know what it is to return from battle and find your wife dead? Your only heir with her? To find your life reduced to ash? Mom shook her head as if she was answering him, but as though she was trying to shake off the words. He took a step towards her and a step, she took a step back. There was something wrong with the tall man's leg. He took a step towards her, and she took a step back. There was something wrong with the man's leg. He moved stiffly, as though it hurt him. The light was different in the entry hall, but you could see the odd green tint of his skin, and the way his lower teeth seemed too large for his mouth. She was able to see that his eyes were like Vivi's. I was never going to be happy with you, Mom told him. Your world isn't for people like me, the tall man re- regarded for her for a long moment. You made vows, he said finally. She lifted her chin, and I renounced them. And then I renounced them. His gaze went to June, and his expression hardened. What is a promise from a mortal wife worth? I suppose I have my answer. Mom turned. At her mother's look, she dashed into the living room. Taryn, Taryn was still sleeping. Television was still on. Vivian looked. Vivian looked up with half-lidded cat eyes. Who's at the door? She asked. I heard arguing. A scary man. She told her, out of breath. Even though she barely ran at all, her heart was pounding. We're supposed to go upstairs. She didn't care that Mom only told had only told her to go upstairs. She wasn't going by herself. With a sigh, Vivi unfolded from the couch and shook Taryn awake. Drowsily, Jude's twin followed them up, followed them into the hallway. As they started towards the carpet-covered step, Jude saw her father come in from the back garden. He held an axe in his hand, forged to forged to be a near replica of once of one he once studied in a museum in Iceland. It wasn't weird to see Dad with an axe. He and his friends were into old weapons and would spend lots of time talking about material culture and sketching ideas for fantastical blades. What was odd was the way he held the weapon, as if he was going to 
Then her father swung the axe towards the tall man. He had never raised a hand to discipline Jude or his sisters, even when they got into big trouble. He wouldn't hurt anyone. He just wouldn't. And yet, and yet, the axe went past the tall man, biting into the wood of the tram in the, in the door. Taryn made an odd, high-kneading sound, keening sound, and slapped her palms over her mouth. The tall man drew the curved blade from beneath his levered coat, a sword, like from a storybook. Dad was trying to pull the axe free from the doorframe when the man plunged the sword into Dad's stomach, pushing it upward. There was a sound, like thick snapping and an animal cry. Dad fell through the vegetable carpet, the one Mom always yelled about when they tracked mud on it. The rug was turning red. Mom screamed, Jude screamed, Taryn and Vivi screamed. Everyone seemed to be screaming, except the tall man. Come here, he said, looking directly at Vivi. You, you monster, their mother shouted, moving to the torches. He's dead! Do not run from me, the man told her. Not after what you've done. If you run again, I swear I... But she did run. She was almost around the corner when his blade struck her in the back. She crumbled to, into the linoleum, falling, fl falling arms, knocking magnets off the fridge. The smell of fresh blood was heavy in the air, like wet, hot metal. Oh, scrubbing pads mom used to clean the frying pan with when stuff was really stuck on jude ran at the man slamming her fist into his chest kicking at his leg she she wasn't even scared she wasn't sure she felt anything at all the man paid jude no mind for a long moment he just stood there as though he couldn't quite believe what he'd done as though he wished he could take back the last five minutes then he sank into one knee and caught hold of Jude's shoulder. He pinned her arms to her sides so she couldn't hit him anymore. He wasn't even looking at her. His gaze was on Vivian. You were stolen from me, he, he told her. I've come to take you to your true home, in Elfham, beneath the hill. There you'll be rich beyond measure. There you will be with your own kind. No, Vivi told him in a, in a solemn little voice. I'm never going anywhere with you. I'm your father, he told her, his voice harsh, rising with the crack of the lash. You are my heir and my blood, and you will obey me in this, in this, all as in all things. She didn't move, but her jaw set. You are not her father, Jude shouted at the man. Even though he and Vivi had the same eyes, she wouldn't let herself believe it. His grip tightened on her shoulders, and she made a little, and she, and, and, and Blech. And she made a little squeeze, squeeze, squeaking sound, but she stared up defiantly. She won plenty of staring contest. While he looked away, while he looked first, he looked away first, turning to watch Taryn on her knees, shaking Mom while she sobbed, as if she were trying to wake her up. Mom and Dad, didn't, Mom didn't move. Mom and Dad were dead. They were never going to move again. I hate you. Vivi proclaimed to the tall man with a vicious, with a viciousness that Jude was was glad of. I will always hate you. I vow it. The man's stony expression didn't change. Nonetheless, you will come with me. Ready, these little humans. Pack light. We ride before dark. Vivian's chin came up. 
Leave them alone. If you have to, if you have to, take me, but not them. He stared at Vivi, then he snorted. <laughs> you protect your sisters from me, would you? Tell me, then. Where would, where would you go? Where, where would you have them go? Vivi didn't answer. They had no grandparents, no living family at all. At least none they knew. He looked at Jude again, released her shoulders, and then rose to his feet. They're the progeny of my wife, and thus my responsibility. I may be cruel, a monster, and a murderer, but I do not shrink my responsibilities. Nor shall you shrink yours at the eldest, as the eldest. Years later, when Jude told herself the story of what happened, she couldn't recall the part where they packed. Shock seemed to have erased that entire hour entirely. Somehow Vivi must have found bags and put them in. Must have put in their favorite picture books and their most beloved toys along with with photographs of pajamas and coats and shirts. Or maybe Jude had packed for herself. She was never sure. She couldn't imagine how they'd done it, with her parents' bodies cooling downstairs. She couldn't imagine how it had felt. As the years went by, she couldn't make herself feel it again. The horror of the murders dulled by, dulled by time. Her memories of the day blurred. A black horse was dimly at the grass of the lawn when they went outside. Its eyes were black and soft. Jude wanted to throw her arms around his neck and press her wet face into its silky mane. But before she could, the man, tall man had swung her and then Taryn across the saddle, handling them like baggage rather than children. He put Vivi behind him. Hold on, he said. And then her, Jude and her sisters wept all the way, the whole way to fair, Fairyland. It's sad that the man did that. And I feel like it's really cruel how he treated Jude and Taryn, but the way he really cared about his responsibilities is actually really heartwarming. I don't know. Chapter 1 is literally one sentence. Chapter 1. In fairy, there are no fish sticks, no ketchup, and no television. That's chapter 1. <laughs> chapter 2 is quite long. I'm probably only going to read chapter 2, because it's like, Fluffy, stop flicking me with your tail, cat. My cat's by me, he's flicking me with his tail, and it's annoying the heck out of me. So I may be only reading chapter to chapter 2, because I'm going to run out of time. I sit on the cushion as my imp braids, my, as an imp braids my hair back from my face. The imp's fingers are long, her nails sharp, I wince. Her black eyes meet mine. In the claw-footed mirror in my dressing table. The tournament is still four nights away, the creature says. The tournament is still four nights away, the creature says. Her name is Tatterfall, and she's a servant in MacDoc's household. Stuck here until she works off her debt to him. She's cared for me since I was a child. It was Tatterfield. Tatterfall. Fell. Who smeared the st- who smeared singing stinging fairy ointment over my eyes to give me true sight, so that I could see through the most through the most glamours. Who brushed the mud over my boots, and who uh, strong dried rowan berries for me to wear around my neck so I may resist enchantments. She wiped my wet nose and reminded me that to wear my stockings inside out so I never be left astray in the forest. No matter. No matter and no matter how eager you are for it, for, uh, no matter how eager you are for it, you cannot make the moon set nor rise any faster. Try to bring glory from the general's household tonight by appearing as a 
commonly as we can make you. I sigh. She's never had much patience with my uh, peevishness. It's an honor to dance with the High King's Court under the hill. The servants are overfound of, of me telling how fortunate I am. Uh, a bastard daughter of a faithless wife. A human without a drop of fairy 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 blood to be treated like a true-born child of a fairy. They tell Taryn much the same thing. I know it's an honor to be raised alongside the Gentry's own children, a terrifying honor of which I, I will never be worthy. It would be hard to forget it with all the reminders I'm given. Yes, I say. Yes, um, I'm trying to figure out a voice to do for her. She's like, what, 16? I don't know. 10 years, she's probably like 17, so. Yes. Um, yes, I say, in, I say instead. Because she's trying to be kind. It's great. Fairies can't lie. So they tend to concentrate on words and ignore tone. Especially if they haven't, haven't lived among humans. Tatterfell gives me... An approving nod, her eyes like two wet beads of jet, neither pupil nor iris visible. Perhaps someone will ask you for your hand and will make you a permanent member of the high court. Perhaps someone will ask you for the hand and you'll be made a permanent member of the high court. I keep forgetting to do her freaking voice. I want to win my place, I tell her. The imp pauses. Harpin, hairpin between her fingers, probably considering pricking you with it. Don't be foolish. There's no point in arguing. No point to remind her of my mother's dis disastrous marriage. There are two ways for mortals to become permanent subjects of the court. Marrying into it or uh, haunt, haunting some great skill. I don't know. In Mel... Metallurgy, or loop playing, or whatever. Not interested in the first. I have a hope to be, I can be talented enough for the second. She finishes braiding my hair in, in, uh, in into an elaborate style that makes me look as though I have horns. Dresses me in sapphire velvet. None of it disguises what I am. Human. I put in three knots for lunch. For luck. The fa the fairies the fairy the fairy says not unkindly not unkindly I sigh as she scuttles toward the door getting up from my dressing table to sprawl face down on my tap tapestry covered bed I'm used to having servants attend to me imps and hobs goblins and grigs. A uh, gossamer wing and green nails, horns and fangs. I have been in fair fairy for ten years. None of it seems all that strange anymore. Here I am in the strange one, with my blunt fingers, round ears, and mayfly life. Ten years is a long is a long time for a human. After MacGox stole us from the oh, is it MacDoc? MacGox. Huh? us from the human world. He brought us to his estate in Ishmire, the Isle of Might, where the High King of Elfham keeps his stronghold. There, Mac Doc raises us, me and 
me and Vivian and Taryn out of obligation and honor. Even though Taryn and I are evidence of mom's betrayal by the customs of fairy, we are his wife's kids, so we are his problem. As the High King's general, Mac Gok was Mad Doc, Mad Ock, M A D O C. How the heck do you say that? Mac Ock, Mad Ock, Mad Doc. I'm saying it, Mad Ock. Uh, was away often fighting for the crown. What we what we were well cared for, nonetheless. We slept on mattresses stuffed with soft seed heads of dandelions. Madoc, uh, personally instructs instructed us to the art of fighting with the cut glass and dagger of fashion at falchion of falchion and art fist. He played nine men's moors. Fidchow and fox and geese with us for a fire. He let us sit on his. He let us sit on his knees and eat off his plate. I'm stopping now. I'm about to run out of freaking time. I'm gonna be talking for a little bit. No, don't close. So it's. I like how he says that. Um, it, he's their problem, even though it's evidence of his. Quote unquote wives' betrayal. Is my dude an ogre or something? He's an ogre, I swear to God. So I'll be continuing this tomorrow. What the hell are you doing, boy? So, yes, I'll be doing this almost every single day. And I don't read out loud often, so I'm, I suck at it. I stutter. I don't know how to pronounce stuff. What are you doing, Rackle? And I'll be most likely being joined by my cat, Rascal. So if you, hear, if you hear me mentioning his name a lot, or saying, what are you doing, cat? Or anything with cat in it, it's going to be him, most likely. He's a cuddle bug. Um, so I hope you enjoy this podcast, because it's my first freaking podcast. And what the heck? No, don't step on my, not my computer. Get off my computer. Stay off it. Crazy boy, what the, what the heck, man? What the frick? So I'll be reading the Cruel Prince until I finish it. Um, I may underestimate how much time I have usually to read everything. And what the heck, where my bookmark go? What the heck? Okay. I have like two minutes left. I'll try to read the last like paragraph, I think. Many nights I drifted off to sleep to his rumbling voice reading from a book of battle strategy. And despite myself, despite what he'd done and what he was, I came to love him. I do love him. It's just not a comfortable kind of love. Uh, Last sentence I'm going to read today. Nice braids, Taryn says, rushing into my room. She's dressed in crimson velvet. Her hair is loose. Long chestnut curls that fly behind her like a capelet. A few strands of gleaming silver thread. So that is, like, a chronologue in chapter one and a little bit of chapter two of The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. You can check out my other things on TikTok. My I am that one weirdo, or some I'm I don't know what my username is actually. 
uh, YouTube, I am Book Nerd, uh, here, I don't know what the heck I am here, um, and TikTok is like that one weirdo or that, like, weirdo or something like that, I think I'm that one weirdo, I'm not, I'm that one weirdo on TikTok, so my, here, I don't know what I am, YouTube, I'm Book Nerd, and TikTok, I am uh that one weirdo hope you enjoyed this i'll do it tomorrow bye bye